0: Good evening, everyone, and those who haven't joined us yet. I see people are still signing up, uh, coming in. My name is Scott Warner, and I'm president of the Culinary Historians of Chicago. And welcome to our evening tonight where we're doing, we're fully exposing full frontal facial exposure of the Tribune's hottest new food critics. Uh, so I better zip my mouth and not say too much more. Uh <laughs> But uh, anyway, uh, Louisa Chu and Nick Kindlesberger are the the dynamic duo who are doing the food reviews now, like food reviews have never been done for the Tribune before. They're both outstanding writers and they're both culinary experts. Um, I'm going to turn over the intros to uh, Louisa and Nick. Uh, They both have tremendous food backgrounds, and if you don't, if you're not don't be modest because, you know, you, you you two are not chopped liver. So look forward to hearing what you're saying. And if you leave anything out, I'll throw it in. So let go, take, go step, step on down and let's hear. Now, Luisa, you want to start off first? You, you have your last name starts with C and Nick starts with K. So alphabetically, you can go first.
1: There we go. I so appreciate it. Thank you so much, Scott and Kathy. And to everyone who is joining us live here uh, on Zoom and on Facebook, uh, I'm I'm so appreciative that we have such a big crowd. And uh, my very last uh, in-person event was with your group, um, so I uh, you know I'm super excited, yeah, uh, to be able to join you again. So I am, I am Louisa Chu, and I am a Chicago Tribune food critic, um, and uh, I was. Um, Born in Hong Kong, uh, raised in Chicago, grew up in my family's Chinese chop suey restaurants uh, on the northwest side of the city. And my very first paid job uh, in restaurants was uh, folding paper takeout menus, uh, which had become so important again during the pandemic. Uh, And uh, my first cooking job was uh, working the deep fryer. Uh, at um, chinese pagoda in the um, belmont uh, central neighborhood uh, um, of chicago and uh, I, I i often say that somebody i'm sure would be arrested uh, these days you know um but um, grew up uh in the restaurant business and like most immigrant families uh, my uh, family was very happy that i uh, continued to school college uh you know and uh, uh and then also then uh, you know uh Uh, was working in uh, journalism and media. And then the immigrant family nightmare happened. I decided to go to culinary school to be a better food journalist. And so um, at that point I was living in LA, moved to Paris to attend Le Cordon Bleu. Um, I uh, received a partial uh, James Beard Foundation scholarship to attend and um, had I done it differently and I highly recommend anyone who's considering it, get a full scholarship don't pay your own way. (laughs) And uh, so went to Julia Child's alma mater. And uh, so worked uh, in uh, some of the best restaurants in the world, including Alain de in Paris and El Bulli in Spain um, as a a sagier, an apprentice. And uh, then uh, eventually uh, came back to Chicago, worked as a uh, Uh, Gourmet Magazine uh, correspondent, uh, was a fixer for Anthony Bourdain in Paris and in Spain, uh, and uh, eventually was working as uh, the chef at a very tiny uh, fishing lodge in Alaska. Uh, And then um, the job came up at the Tribune for reporter. And I have to tell you that this was the only job in the world that – I decided I had to stay in Chicago for. Um it was an incredible opportunity as we know. I see that there's several uh Tribune uh, alum uh in the uh uh in the uh, participants list and um so this was uh, uh an incredible opportunity and then after uh Phil retired uh we were very honored and quite frankly lobbied very hard uh to become the next generation of food critics. So um Again, thank you so much for having us. And I'm going to pass it on to my fellow Chicago Tribune food critic, Nick Kindlesberger.
2: That was wonderful, Louisa. Uh, I actually, my name is Nick Kindlesberger. I actually grew up in Hanover, Indiana, which is right on the Ohio River, uh, close to Louisville. It's a town of about 2,000 people. Uh, I was not much of an eater growing up. I didn't like um, very many foods. I wrote a play when I was in well, second grade about exterminating the world's green beans, uh, and it was a really great book, and I'm very proud of it. And so I imagine I grew up in this very false town, but that there's a college there called Hanover College. My dad worked there, and he was very big about how we needed to to travel and explore. And you can imagine what it's like to go from a town of about 2,000 people surrounded by cornfields up to a place like Chicago. Uh, to eat, and I fell in love with Chicago when I was about 10 years old, and uh, it's never been able to, to get out of my mind since then. Uh, so after I graduated from college uh, in Indiana, I, I moved to New York, and I was just astonished by the amount of food that you can get all around in a big city. It really blew my mind, and I, I started this food blog called The Popper Chef because as much as I loved New York, I had very little money to explore some of the finer dining options there. So a buddy and I did a recipe recipe blog. And um, while I was there, I met uh, all these different publishers and uh, from different magazines. And I just got hooked up with this food writing world in 2006. And so I've been doing it since then. So. I was at, I was one of the first writers for Serious Eats when it launched. And uh, I was still in New York. I wrote for Gothamist and the Washington Post and the Brooklyn paper. And then uh, I moved to Chicago shortly thereafter and started the Serious Eats Chicago blog, which was focused exclusively on Chicago content. And I wrote that, um, I did that for about three years. And then, you know, as Louisa said, Sometimes you think you're out of the game and then the Chicago Tribune called and asked if I'd come back and start writing again. And I couldn't say no, I really should, you know, maybe have thought about it more, but no, I can, it's been a outrageous. <laughs> it's been so much fun. And as Lisa said, we fought really hard for this position. They were not going to keep it. Um, it wasn't, you know, there just wasn't money there. And so we had to make a very, well-organized pitch for what we wanted and what we wanted to do and we're so happy they said yes and that's me I guess so I don't know uh Louisa if we should talk a little bit more about um what we're doing now or
1: that one of the um things that you mentioned Nick which was uh really (laughs) kind of like a glimpse behind the scenes, you know, Mm -hmm. is that uh, it, you know, uh, yeah, they, when Phil retired, you know, there was serious talk about like, you know, the budget was completely cut. I mean, we literally at some point heard, um, uh, I I should say, I'll say, you know, not to tell tales out of school necessarily, but like, it was a very, very small number uh, uh, to the point where like, That's ridiculous, but if that's that's what needs to be, then we'll figure out how that's going to be. Because, uh, you know, I mean, for example, uh, you know, a lot of our favorite foods, like our takeout one hundred list, for example, that we're we've been working on. um, Some of your favorites are like like five dollar, you know, even less, like you know, less than five dollar tacos. Isn't that right, Nick?
2: Mm -hmm. Oh, for sure, absolutely. So it's just amazing how much. We're trying to sort of bridge the gap between sort of our favorite foods that we eat on an everyday basis and then some of these fine dining meals. And there's a lot more in common, I think, than people realize. And I don't like the separation of the two. Um, I just would. I'm obsessed with this new taco place in Little Village, and the person who works the al pastor spit, you know, has to, this is called a trompo, because it's, it's, it's loaded with marinated pork, and, you know, if he pauses for a second and doesn't keep it moving, because he has to do it by hand, because he has to make sure it browns, but next to this flame perfectly, and he cuts off just the slip, like the slices are so thin. And if he screws that up, then, you know, the whole thing is ruined. So that's something we're really looking towards.
1: And just a little uh, tease again, A spoiler alert, we can give you a little bit of a preview of the two reviews that we're working on coming up next um, is uh, w- one of the things also uh, that uh, we were very conscious about, um, in taking over this uh, responsibility of being the new Tribune food critics is equity. And, uh, we're very conscious of the kinds of, uh, restaurants, food and people who are involved, um, with the, the, the restaurants that we review. And, um, so it just so happens to be that, um, we, you know, consciously needed to have, um, uh, Mexican and Latin American restaurants uh, in our early reviews and um, that they, while we very much appreciate a lot of the, uh, you know, big name chefs that like exactly what Nick was saying, you know, um, uh, the restaurant in little village. And then also my next review happens to be also a Mexican family owned restaurant uh, in the uh, Cragen neighborhood. It, when it first when I first saw it open, Um, I think I mentioned to you, Nick, it was like, it looks interesting. I'm not sure who this is. Like, does it have any substance to it? You know, and I think that's like a challenge that we often have is that something might look interesting, uh, you know, like on social media before it ever opens. And we kind of have to decide if there is like substance, you know, like we often like to say, if there's like a fairness to it. Um, And uh, so luckily, after I tried it the first time, I was like, I texted you from the table, you know, and I was like, "This is so much." Fun. I think mean, you're on vacation. I was like, "This is yeah. going to be my <laughs> next review." You know, I was like, "This is so much fun," and um, and and so uh, you know, is making those conscious choices, trying them out, uh, and then also you know, still critiquing them on a level that uh, recognizes the uh, the craft, but uh, but also you know, I mean, again, seriously critiquing restaurants. You know, I mean. So, you know, a preview of the upcoming restaurant reviews, but also like, for example, uh, this most recent restaurant review that we published was Rosemary. And, you know, you talked a little bit about, you were cons- not concerned, but, you know, we talked about how, like, and we discussed this, you know, what we're gonna be reviewing next and like the flow um, that uh, this uh, was going to be possibly the first, um, your first n- negative review.
2: Correct, yeah. and, and- I'm a little bewildered by how negative people think it is because I I would consider it more of a mixed review, but because it's such a big name, I think it came across as more negative because of it. But we talked a lot about whether we should even be doing negative reviews right now after what some restaurants have been going through, you know, the past year had before we were critics and going out to restaurants again, you know, it was one of the hardest years to cover. Um, I mean, it was the hardest year to cover restaurants that I'd ever encountered. Just the, the stories were so similar in so many places and the struggles were so real. And during that time, Luisa and I, I mean, I felt like my job was to help, try to help as many restaurants as I could by telling their story, by helping customers find them and enjoy them and, and keep, you know, people employed. Um, And then to also just show what they were, the, the lack of, you know, it was just so hard for them. And I wanted the government to kind of see how, how hard that was too and the safety concerns involved. So it was a really tough year to go through and, yeah, I don't know how you how you feel about that, Luisa. I mean, we we ultimately came down. I I just felt like I was pointing out things. I wasn't trying to go too hard. Um, but do you think it was okay to, to start that now? For
1: sure, you know. And and again, yeah. The um, it and we talked about the process of doing this. You know that um, that, that neither one of us are going to be like the classic like mean reviewer um, that these were going to be critiques in the same way that we would critique any type of other work, you know, whether, you know, the restaurants or literature or music, you know, and spoiler alert, Nick has a music plug, um, you know, but uh, but also, you know, I mean, and, but I want to clarify too, is that over this past pandemic year, which I always like to say is not the same as a calendar year, um, we never stopped going out to restaurants. I mean, like from the very, you know, from the very first, the very first uh, night that the first uh, restaurant restrictions were announced in Oak Park, I went to Katie's in Oak Park. And that was like the first time I got curbside pickup. And that was like, I mean, so, you know, so as we all know, restaurants were declared essential businesses. We never stopped going out to restaurants for takeout uh, for curbside pickup, uh, you know, uh, for our, uh, you know, dashboard dining, uh, and, um, you know, so as long as restaurants were open, we still kept going. Um, what's different now is that we're, uh, you know, dining on premises and reviewing them. Um, but absolutely. I mean, I, I think that, um, but we also were very, you know, we had these conversations, you know, we were very careful about it, you know, I mean, um, about our choices because, uh, you know, to be quite frank, we, we've talked about it. It's like, you know, there's limited resources with uh, the Chicago Tribune with newspapers in general right now and uh, you know, time and money. And so, uh, you know, does it make sense to uh, go to those places? Like the first place that I uh, wanted to check out because it was a really, you know, big destination place and you know, uh, and I didn't know how it was going to be because I hadn't heard anything about it, you know, was Lyrica at uh, Navy pier. And, um, I basically said that if it was, uh, you know, on, on the, uh, what did you say on the curve, you know, I mean, yeah. If I graded on the, if we graded on the curve that Lyrica deserved four stars, uh, you know, which is on our scale, the highest rating there is, you know, but on, uh, the Tribune scale, which we also really had to clarify too is, you know, because, you know, now when people look at one star for Yelp, that's something bad happened, you know, but like for us, and, you know, we have to remind people often that, uh, you know, in the Yelp and Google world, that one star is still for us, like, you know, good. And I ended up rating them like one and a half stars, good to very good. Because while, like, the dining experience was not quite there and some of the dishes, some of it was like, this is great,
2: you know. Um, so, and if you're yeah. in Davy Pier, like, great doesn't happen that much. <laughs> <laughs>
1: exactly. You're like, it's. Static. You don't have to, you know, like, I yeah. mean, come on. No. The, yeah. The flag. We talked about it obligated. a lot.
2: The stars for that review. I remember. Cause I was just like, can't be too, it can't be too, because like, yeah, it's, it wouldn't, you wouldn't tell somebody to go there, but so many people are there. It made sense. So these are the kind of things we talk about. And, uh, you know, I think a lot right now, I, I feel comfortable uh, critiquing places is just uh you know, spending over a hundred dollars or two hundred dollars for a meal is a is a luxury for most people, and I like never want to forget that. For most people, spending that kind of money is a lot, and so if you're going to charge that much, then I feel like you're you're more open to a, a fair critique.
1: For sure, and that was also a very conscious choice. Of you know, we gave the sneak peek about our two upcoming reviews uh, you know, we should talk a little bit about our very, uh, deliberate choices in our first reviews, you know, your yeah. first review and my first review. And, uh, you know, we talked about like the whole thing again, about like, you know, should we even review restaurants, uh, if there was no dining in, because we were kind of at that point, you know, I mean, and so do you want to talk a little bit about you know, the choice of your first review, which was our first review in our new, uh, era?
2: Yeah. So this was a place that I came about totally at random there during the pandemic, a lot of places, um, a lot of places around town, uh, started what ghost kitchens or virtual kitchens where they'd have a big area. And then, you know, eight to 10 different concepts can go into the space and there's no dining room, but it's all to go orders for Uber Eats and all those other things. And I picked up this meal from soul um from uh from soul and smoke and uh i just couldn't believe what it was this you know i've uh, gone on barbecue tours down in north carolina and in texas and i've been to memphis multiple times and i'm a big fan of chicago barbecue and just in this phone you know the clamshell, the foam clamshell, was the best brisket i'd had in chicago best barbecue brisket i've had and so I had to track down who this guy was and I couldn't find them because this was just ghost kitchen. And eventually I found out he had this place in Evanston and that he'd actually worked at Modo, which is one of the most high end modernist cuisine uh, restaurants in Chicago history that unfortunately closed in uh, 2013, I believe. Um, but he had worked there and he had done like all these crazy in, um, cooking events and, um, but he loved barbecue. He's from the South side of Chicago. It's just what he loves the most. And so when the pandemic happened, he like really beefed up this barbecue option as a to-go because it would work better than the catering gigs that he had relied on in the previous years. And so up in Evanston, he has a little, a little kitchen up there where he cooks everything, and uh, so that was my first review. I, I knew I wanted to do something with it. And then it turned out we just got named the critics at the same time. And so I just thought that this was the perfect way to open up because when we started, Luisa and I were like, what do we want our reviews to really capture? And I remember something Luisa said so clearly that we would want to have reviewed Lim's barbecue on the South side when it opened you know, 70 years ago, I think. (laughs) So we missed that chance, but that's okay. But we want to review places like that, that are so important to the community because they cook great food and they want to share that with people in a like comfort and a comfortable environment. So yeah, that was, that worked out pretty nicely as our first official review. And what about you, Luisa?
1: so my, so I just want to mention, uh, about soul and smoke. The funny thing about that was that, uh, um, Heather, who is the, uh, wife and co-owner of the soul and smoke team, uh, was once my assistant when I was working as a consulting chef. And I had met her husband, Deandre, uh, when they were just two young, crazy kids in love dating, you know, and, um, they had actually, uh, cooked the um, rest of the meals at Moto um, actually no the catering when um, very sadly um, Omar Kantu died uh, by suicide and so there are these incredibly accomplished young chefs who stepped in and took over at such a critical time and then uh, you know I had had their food previously and I thought it was great but it's like over this past year yeah we were just like scrambling and I had written about like you know, Uh, them at a couple of stories, you know, pandemic related when, uh, for example, uh, when Jose Andres came to town, and he delivered meals to uh, workers at a COVID testing site and hospital and uh, school, and DeAndre was one of the chefs that he met. Uh, So that was just, uh, you know, just like amazing stories. And I'm so glad when those amazing stories, you know, coincide, with great food and then also that you that you reviewed it. I mean because uh you know that is just such a terrific validation of their craft and their work. And then also you know and th- this was also super helpful because um I while we have been in the community long enough where we have established relationships either you know on like just going to restaurants on our own, you know. I mean um that that was terrific that you were able to review that. uh, And with a very, uh, you know, a a critical eye that I wouldn't have had to recuse myself from that. But, um, but in any case, so um, uh, my first review was uh, for Dear Margaret, um, a uh, French Canadian Midwestern restaurant in Lakeview. And um, you had first written about them uh, when they, before they opened their whole plans. And I remember, you know, they're, they, uh, had opened, um, you know, when all the dining rooms were shut down and, um, I was really concerned, you know, about like what restaurant I was going to review first, because I did actually try, uh, another place I was hoping could be the first review. And I just, even though it had been hyped, it was just like, it wasn't quite there, you know? So I was kind of like, oh no, you know, I mean, like, it had a really good story,
2: uh, but the food yes, wasn't there. And exactly. that's exactly. See, I think that you think that sometimes you have to have a good story with a restaurant, but I feel like the story has to come second. I know this is a tangent, but you know, no, if you get too into the story aspect of it, you can get not charmed by it, but then the, you cannot evaluate the food in the same way. So fortunately you yeah. good food and good stories go along. So there usually is a good story involved, but yeah. Yeah. Anyway, okay. I'll start. Yeah. That was a good tangent.
1: <laughs> no, 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 exactly. But that's exactly related and that, like, you know, we have a chance to check ourselves with that, too. And uh, when I tried Dear Margaret, I mean, literally I uh, ordered, I took it into my car and I always plan, you know, like the destination where I'm going to have like a nice, uh, you know, uh, especially because they didn't have any uh, dining on premises. Uh, it was takeout only. Grabbed my food, jumped in the car, drove to the place with my little takeout kit. You know, my uh, takeout kit includes uh it uh, has to have real silverware uh real cloth napkins and hand wipes um you know because i want it to be a nice experience even from having it in my car and literally from that first bite i like i burst into tears i mean and i, and I think about that now you know and i'm getting teary because i think it was just such a, like a relief and that they were doing this beautiful food that you know despite everything that had happened over this past year You know, they were doing this like beautiful food that defied the odds. And it was just such a relief. And, um, I just, I I was just so grateful that they were doing it and it was so thoughtful, I mean, everything down to the toast, you know, which, um, I know you're a bread nerd, uh, you know, I mean, and, um, it's like a three, two or three day process to make, um, like this thinly sliced grilled toast. You know, and um, they're, you know, foie gras mousse, which I, you know, written in the very, I used to make like every day when I was working as an apprentice in Paris for a while. So I, I knew what was good and what not, not good. And like the, the, if there was like a trace of bitterness and it was like, it was so good, so beautiful, and all out of takeoff containers sitting in my car. Um, so that kind of incredible uh, food moment, emotional moment, story moment, all of that captured. I mean, we're so lucky that we have. Uh, a lot of that here in Chicago. Um, so those ended up being our first reviews and they both ended up being uh, three stars. And, um, but after that, you know, we did actually have a serious conversation too about the star situation, you know, and.
2: Um, Cause a lot of publications have decided to get rid of them because they don't feel like they're fair. And I, I totally get that side of the argument. It's not that simple, but I like them, <laughs> and I couldn't get rid of them yet because I think they have value because they help customers pick, decide what they want to do very quickly. I don't know where are you now on the conversation?
1: I'm the same. I'm right there with you. You know, like I wish <laughs> that we didn't have to, you know, be reductive down to stars because again it is like we were talking, you know, it's like confusing because when you see one star on Yelp, you're like, oh my God, you know, something really bad has happened. <laughs> you know? I mean, yeah. but on our scale, it's still good. Um, and so I kind of feel like I need to um, build in some of that explanation um, every time. I see. Um, you know, but having said that, I also find stars very helpful. Um, and I, I also will admit that I find like especially looking for like other services that are not necessarily restaurants, you know, like Yelp reviews somewhat helpful, you know, I mean, sometimes there's some of the best ones for like having the right website, for example, like those nuts and bolts type things.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: but, um, but it is important for us to have that, uh, you know, critical storytelling and, um, an actual critical review in our actual reviews. And that then uh, the, the stars of it is almost just kind of like that gives people a little bit of an idea about, you know, where we are, what our headspace is. Um, and because uh, a lot of it, you know, I'm sure you t- you know do too. It's like you have an idea of whose taste uh, aligns with yours. And um, then they can get a better idea of what that's like to us, you know, and to them, and then that kind of, you know, fits together, like, uh, you know, meshes together a little bit in terms of, um, you know, how helpful those stars are actually going to be. But, uh, but, you know, I mean, but quite frankly, we were, we had this frank conversation, like, uh, you know, you and I and our editor Ariel um, that uh, we have to be careful about giving out three stars, you know, mm-hmm. because.
2: Yeah. She you know, talked me a- down. She's talked me down before. I one time. <laughs> And I'm not going to say what it was, but it was very close. I, I'm okay with it. It's fine. I'm open to the discussion, and I like that we discussed uh, both those things and places that we're going to review next, uh, so that we can make sure we're covering everything that we want to, and that's a priority for us. But uh, but yeah, I know it, it's it's a lot of things to think about, especially right now. And I was talking to someone. Uh, who interviewed us both. And she was sort of like, how are you feeling right now? And I, I'm like, I feel like I'm doing two things at once. Like I'm trying to learn how to do this brand new job that I have. And I'm worrying about the pandemic and all these other very serious issues and the staffing issues that are going on and the the rights that they're demanding and whether things are going to be different. You know, it's all happening at once. And I'm sure it happens. For everybody, it feels that way, but I do feel like we're juggling two two things right now,
1: and it's not only juggling two things, but like the other thing—the you know—the restaurant reviews is one thing. The other thing um, are like really extreme social change, and uh, you know, not the least of which is uh, the. Um, you know, the very rightful protests after the murder of George Floyd last year and what that meant and what that triggered in the restaurant industry, Um, you know, the political upheaval uh, that was just last year. It seems like it's like a lifetime ago, you know. So, I mean, um, and then on top of that, you know, there were still like uh, the the social issues that are in restaurants, like, for example, um, you know, the tank noodle story, you know, which was a terrible situation, where uh, you know, I, I was just following up on once you know, we got a press release that from the uh, feds uh, that uh, they had recovered six hundred thousand dollars for um like sixty seven hundred thousand dollars for sixty employees for one restaurant in two years. and we were like, "What? <laughs> and that's one restaurant, and that wasn't even on like the headlines of like the big issues that we've been covering um and uh so that is something that you know takes a lot of time in terms of our coverage and um you know then on top of having to actually like you know go out to restaurants and you know critiquing them and covering them um and um you know not the least of but it's not just restaurants if you know again if i can sort of give a tease about, about uh, mentioning one of the things that's happening in the city that you're going to be covering oh right
2: <laughs> so Lollapalooza is here i'm sure you all are going and it's gonna be i am seeing a lot of shaking it uh it i wasn't quite sure what i was signing up for when i did it but now i feel like i have to do it so i went you know a hundred thousand people are going to be coming each day to grant park and i'm gonna, I was going to look at all the food options there because they actually do highlight a lot of local restaurants most festivals have very generic food you know, just a lot of fried stuff and they really go out of their way. So I, you know, of course now with cases rising again, we're taking pretty serious precautions and we had a safety meeting uh, a few hours ago to talk through everything. And we're we're all gonna be masked up and we have all the things, yes. So I think it's even, even for outdoor events, but that's to cover it safely. I don't know any other way to do it besides simply not going but we'll see. <laughs> yeah. I hope it's going okay.
1: Yeah, I I hope so too and fingers crossed and um yeah, those are all very important the things that we didn't think that we'd ever have to sign up for doing uh you right. know as food critics at the Tribune and um but you know our our serious considerations not only for ourselves and for our, but for our audience and that um you know and I'm I'm glad I've never been to Lollapalooza and I didn't want this to be my first experience. (laughs) And so you've been there before you've navigated it. I have. I have. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so, uh, so what are going to be like, how do you plan on navigating something like this? You know, are you going tomorrow? Is that right?
2: Yeah. I'm going to go early uh, as soon as I can. And then I'm going to get out of there as soon as I can. So hopefully it's not too big of a deal, but you know, it's a, we're going to find out, I guess, in a few weeks to see what, how this is done. But it's all related, too, because if they have to shut down events like that, then, the, you know, it's going to be back to restaurants having uh, closures. And I don't know how many restaurants can can withstand another shock like that. So all of these things yeah. matter um, to the city as a whole. And so we're having to think about public health issues just real fun to research and <laughs> mm-hmm. <Yep>. yeah yeah <laughs> uh, but uh, they're so important to how we interact with restaurants and that's what's so exciting it's exciting too to think about restaurants in this way too because restaurant owners are such passionate people and they care about these issues too so talking to them and, and learning from them too has been very instructive to how I approach everything
1: yeah but, Absolutely. Yeah, I, um, I am uh, uh, currently still only uh, dining uh, outside or next to a big open window because I have 86 and 87 year old uh, mom and pop Chu, uh who've been who had been in lockdown, you know, they're now uh, kind of uh, in, uh, they, they have an open door policy, you know, for good behavior. Uh, <laughs> so, but, um, and I took them to 88 marketplace for the first time. So that was quite an adventure. Uh, the big new, uh, uh, Chinese grocery store, uh, supermarket super center in just outside of Chinatown. And so we, uh, we wrote about every restaurant that was open there and there's actually two new places that we have to get back to add to oh, the steakhouse right. yeah. that yeah, you're going to, Go to maybe because they only have indoor dining. So who's, who knows how they're going to handle that. Have yeah. to be quick. <laughs> you know, either that or get takeout because I went to the hot pot place where you actually dined it in that little window and I mm-hmm. got takeout from there last fall and it was great, but not everybody has a hot pot, um, a rig at home. Um, and, um, you know, and I took all the food, uh, you know, out to my car to eat and I plan on doing that for the new, um, Hong Kong style diner that just opened there too. But, um, oh. but yeah. But, you know, I, I think about like the, t- the, the day that you and I went to go shoot photos um, that uh, we were sitting uh, outside of first Gibson's Italia, you know, for the big food critic announcement. And then we went to gyms on Maxwell Street for Polish and the famous Chicago style bone and pork chop sandwich. Mm-hmm. And um, that was the day that the CDC said, done. Masks mm-hmm. are over. We're like, oh, that was sudden, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and so it was like, fingers crossed, to everybody. But uh, but so far so good, you know. Knock on wood.
2: Yeah, I, so, I've had multiple uh, COVID tests throughout this thing. So just had one mm-hmm. come back today. So mm-hmm. trying to be as careful mm-hmm. as I can. I have a seven-year-old daughter, so we have to until she can get vaccinated. There are issues there, mm-hmm. and so it's been, it was crazy how quickly it went from everything is locked up to Mm -hmm. everything is full. I wasn't expecting that to be so quick and (laughs) people are are just so happy to be out again. And I totally, totally understand that. I just don't want it to go back if, uh, to the restaurant's sake, and but you, we have to follow the, the public health advice. So right,
1: exactly. I, Bars, restaurants, grocery stores, which again, were yeah. some of the fundamental essential businesses that were open. Uh, I was gonna mention that uh, go ahead and ask questions from our, uh, our uh, very uh, engaged audience.
0: Yeah, uh, and Kathy will ask the chat questions and i see there's some wonderful questions out there and i'll start off with a few uh, direct questions to both of you um, how do you do it uh, i mean how do you eat in restaurants all the time at, without wanting to be bulimic i don't know or how you know uh, how, how do you eat eat, eat like that uh, and taste things all the time is it hard or what what's your secret to to doing this job, people, everybody think what a wonderful job as a food critic. And, and how many times do you get horrible meals? I mean, uh, um, uh, well, that's, that's another part of the question, but how do you eat, eat, eat like that without feeling sick to your stomach all the time?
2: Yeah, it's a relevant question. (laughs) Uh, we both have very different answers. I I believe, because we've, we've gotten this one before, but I'm a firm believer in, uh, exercise and eating vegetables when you're at home. (laughs) And then, uh, if, if something's not good, just, just leave it. And so there's a lot of times where I'll have just a couple bites of something and then I'll just stop because I know it's not good. Uh, there's a few like very quick tips, never eat the fries. The fries are there to, to, to pull you down. Don't drink any soda and then yeah really enjoy the food when it's good so i never get tired of eating the really good stuff and i bike a lot i bike everywhere i can <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: um i believe in exercise in the same way that i believe in everyone who can have their own beliefs i personally
2: <laughs> I so am, you um, didn't bike 10 bike 10 miles today I like did i not. did I
1: I am a hot (laughs) and sweaty mess as it is right now. Um, I have what I like to say is the three bite rule. Um, I like to try to take at least, but no more than three bites of everything. And I am also a big doggy beggar. Uh, So um, if I uh, know that I'm going to be at a restaurant uh, where I'm gonna have dessert, I typically uh, always like to go look ahead at the dessert menu because those almost always have ice cream. And if it's like a really great restaurant with great ice cream, I know that I've got to eat all the ice cream because you cannot doggy bag that. So I kind of plan that, do that mental calculus ahead, you know, and backwards. But Nick says, don't eat the fries. But we did a story all about the best French fries, hand-cut French fries in Chicago under $5. And we, I know. That was the
2: exception. We could eat fries and not (laughs) anything else. Then it was okay.
1: But having said that, we kind of used still the same rule where it's like, I tried to only have like three bites of French fries, no matter how good every, we as a team at the time. And it was like, we enlisted other reporters. It was like about other journalists. It was like about a hundred, over a hundred places that we tried. And oh, yeah. then we had yeah, a matrix
2: a, that, like, yeah, we uh, had different brackets to get people into it. Yeah. It was pretty elaborate.
1: Yeah. But, uh, you know, but restrained and, um and you know, and I do try to have my uh, my luckily my dog Cole you uh uh I you know uh he is the best uh, world's best personal trainer uh so uh so that helps so uh, restraint and uh some exercise for me
0: what do you both think uh the background for a food critic should be what what are the prerequisites to be a, a food critic like Luisa I know you're a trained chef and uh, you're an outstanding writer and Nick, I know you're an outstanding writer and I'm sorry, what, what is your food background, Nick? Uh,
2: so, so I started writing about food in 20 or what was it? 2000s or yeah, 20, 2006. That's right. And so I did a column for serious eats where I had to cook a dinner every single night. It was called dinner tonight. I did that. I wrote three of those a week for six years. So over the top of that, I would, I just ran out of, I would go to the Harold Washington library, go to the cookbook section, take a cookbook off, photograph the meals that were easy ish that I could get done in an hour. And then I would go cook them at home and write about them. And so I did that for six years. So I have an extensive home cooking background. I, Before I was at the trip, I actually uh, wrote a column for Epicurious about home cooking. And so home cooking has been a really big part of this process. And I think that it distinguishes Louisa and I that we both have this. We can both cook in the kitchen and then try to evaluate it on the plate at a restaurant. I think it informs us in a different way. I am much more conscious of how much something costs (laughs) because I know how much those ingredients cost. I know how much time it would take me to make it. And so if I, I can do that cost balance in my head while I'm eating, which is unfortunate sometimes, (laughs) but I think it's instructive to readers too.
0: And, um, it seems both of you aren't doing what I typically think of as a food review where people just discuss the food, you know, like the lettuce was wilted and the, uh, but the vinaigrette saved it with its uh, lavender essence or something. I mean, you're, you're you're like, when you talk about your first review, uh, Margaret, uh, I looked at that. Uh, it actually came in my email from the Trib. And it it was a it was a story. There was so much more going on than just about the food. It I, I don't know how you did it. I mean, you you just you're you're both of you are such wonderful writers and your food food authorities. You're a trained chef again from Cordon Blue. But uh, I, I said, I, I was just trying to look at your writing and trying to dissect it and figure out how did she transition? What 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 examples is she throwing in? Where where is this? the the information you were giving it and and it still was a food review and I I I've that on my list now of a restaurant I have to go to but both of you um I mean how how uh, what percentage of the meals like if if you eat in 100 restaurants how many of them are worth reviewing Uh, don't you get a lot of bad food when you're out reviewing so anyway and how do you how do you call who, who gets reviewed uh, how many make really the know.
1: cut yeah yeah how many make the cut is uh, a much smaller number uh, you know I mean because those that's kind of different criteria you um, but uh, but, you know, I also wanted to go back a little bit to what you're saying as far as like, you know, what kind of background people should have. And, you know, I, I think fundamentally it should be like a serious enthusiasm about food, you know, and as far as the you know, actually ability to cook and uh, training, that's a bonus. Um, and then also depending on the medium, you know, where we happen to be right now in terms, uh, you know, we happen to be talking about, you know, uh, reviews in terms of writing. So whatever, but whatever medium you're talking about, well, you know, whether it's going to be video or audio. So, you know, understanding the medium and then your audience. Um, so it really so varies. Um, but uh, I, I think l- luckily, and maybe it's just, again, because we're so enthusiastic about food, you know, I, I haven't had that many terrible, terrible experiences, you know? I mean, I think I've seen some, uh, you know, hope in <laughs> just about every place that I've had a chance to visit. They're, um, you know, I, I like, yeah, no, I mean,
2: we, we're very careful about the places. We do a lot of research beforehand. Uh And so we don't just wander about (laughs) and walk into this restaurant, you know, as much fun as that would be, we have to like, look up the food. Usually these places have Instagram profiles and Facebook pages. And so you can actually tell a lot by how they, the food looks from a picture, and I would never evaluate my own personal opinion on that, but it can help us narrow places to things that look exciting. And then yeah, go from there.
1: Yeah. I mean, and a lot of it right now is, you know, I mean, what does our audience want from a review? And a lot of it, quite frankly, is new restaurants. And, uh, you know, we kind of have to justify to ourselves and because potentially it's going to be justifying to our audience is, you know um why would we be reviewing a place i mean like over this past pandemic year there definitely are going to be places that we're going to be doing a full-on review that opened you know like last year um but before that there has to be a justification to ourselves each other our editor and because eventually our audience is going to ask those same questions you know and um and then also we're very mindful you know as you mentioned uh in terms of equitable coverage uh should, in the Chicago Tribune historically has not covered a huge part of our city. Uh, You know, the South side, the West side, um, you know, uh, black owned restaurants, um, this, you know, mexican owned restaurants, uh, Chinese restaurants, uh, you know, I mean like food stalls. And so we're very conscious of the places that, because we're so enthusiastic about the places we like to eat ourselves, is that's going to also be potentially the kind of restaurants that, you know, you might want to read reviews about because that's also really changed fundamentally in terms of like, you know, like Nick was saying, it's a hundred bucks is a big deal. And, you know, especially in this past year, who's splashing out that much and uh, how does that justify
0: a review? And my, my last live question, before we turn it over to these intriguing chat questions uh, you, you, well, since Phil Vittel came out and put his picture in the Trib and said, there's no sense in trying to be anonymous every time I, he goes everywhere, everybody knows who he is. But um, did, are you recognized a lot when you go into the restaurants? Or how important is your anonymity? Or uh, are, are you still anonymous, even though you're out up front with everybody saying, here's my picture, here's who I am? Um, yeah, what, any, any problem with anonymity? Or do you need anonymity?
2: Uh, we, I thought about it, but a lot of it has to go to if a restaurant wants to know what you look like, they'll find out. Uh-huh. And so, as Phil noted correctly, <laughs> he would walk into a place and they would know exactly who he was. You know, <laughs> The kitchens have known how to do this for years. And on the other side, Lisa and I are trying to and have been reviewing places that genuinely do not care who what we look like because they aren't you know they have been neglected from coverage so they're not expecting us to walk through so why would they care who we are so i you know the majority of my meals i have i don't think the restaurant owners have any idea who i am i I mean i do you feel the same way louisa yeah
1: i i had mentioned you know the good thing is that um uh, middle-aged Asian women are invisible to society anyway, uh, so, middle-aged women in general. But also, yeah, it's like I don't – I'm pretty sure that of all the places I've reviewed so far, uh, no one's recognized me. I mean, and even though, yeah, the idea of uh, – Anonymity in general, privacy in general is kind of, you know, um a myth for the most part, um, uh, with uh social media, uh cameras everywhere, you know, that sort of tracking. Um, is that a lot of the places, yeah, it's like uh yeah, you know, if they they were they had no idea and they didn't care at all, you know. And then in fact, you know, uh, one of the restaurants, the next restaurant I'm reviewing, it took me days now to Talk to somebody you know involved with the restaurant just to like arrange the photo shoot and interview uh, the me, um, me
2: too. I'm having really a tough time with this next
1: place. Yeah. They're like, oh, no, the tribune. Why like suspicious totally? Like, what do you want? You know, so <laughs> it's not like PR is pounding down our door. Well, and I'm house. dealing with uh yeah.
2: with the language barrier. I I can speak a little Spanish and I can read Spanish pretty well. And right. so I'm trying to text with owners to I feel more comfortable. Because um, yeah. they don't speak English, and that's what I'm dealing with right now. But it, I'm glad to do it. I'm so happy to Yeah, do that.
1: Yeah, totally. And uh, so yeah, so anonymity has not been an issue either way uh, so far for the kinds of restaurants that we are really interested in reviewing.
0: And years ago, uh, I interviewed the, the the that wonderful guy Pat Bruno, the late Pat Bruno, who was the Sun Times food critic, and. Uh, one of my big mentors in life. And I asked him about anonymity. He said, even if they know who I am, they can't change what's going on in the kitchen anyway. It's not going to affect the food that they serve me. So I thought that was interesting. And you know what, now I'm going to turn for for dessert, our dessert course, we're going to get the questions from our wonderful audience. So Kathy, could you could you do the chat part?
3: Um, I, I know this is probably a redundant question, but I just want to start in order, and maybe there was a detail you wanted to highlight, but can the speakers talk about why the Tribune didn't want to keep food critic positions? And I think you covered it, but maybe there's some detail you wanted to add.
2: Money? Um, <laughs> it costs It costs a lot of money. We We have to pay for our meals, and so... you think about it, you have to pay us, and then you have Mm -hmm. to pay for our budget. And if we don't have a budget, we can't do that thing. Mm -hmm. And so we had to, that was basically it. If we, you know, I think we proved our worth, and that's why they they gave us these positions. And I think we're doing okay. Uh, But if we didn't, if we don't do a good job, then yeah, (laughs) the money always uh, wins out. Disappears.
3: Yeah, is it a kind of a rule of threes? Is there? I always had this impression that professional reviewers went at least three different times. Is that mm-hmm. still the case, or
2: that's just not?
1: Usually um, now it's two reviews. Uh, I'm we, sorry, two minutes.
2: Yeah, we we have a two. Uh, yeah, minimum or maximum Yeah, minimum. Uh, mm-hmm. We can't. You know, we. I think it used to be three visits with multiple people and that's not the case anymore I think we can do two instead of four I mean these are very practical things that when you add it up it just multiplies yeah and so you know you can it's all very sort of interesting I guess to us only but they're very practical money matters that we have to think about absolutely
1: Yeah. And it's the time we live in, too. You know, I mean, it's like typically, you know, it's two visits. And a lot of times I go by myself because it is just easier in terms of, again, budget means two things for everybody, whether it's the Tribune Food Critics or, you
3: know, everyone at home.
1: It's time and money. How do you budget it?
3: Absolutely. Uh, Peggy Wolf said, by the time your food is served, do you get the feeling... Since they know who you are, which may or may not be the case from your comment, your table could have passed the White House background check.
2: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, 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 so th- they're saying that the uh, food would look just better or like. Uh,
3: I, I, I think I think there, I think we're going back to that earlier question. If they recognize you, are they going to do you something better and you're going to have been, you know, Everything vetted more carefully.
2: Yeah. I mean, okay, so I, I actually was a waiter at one point when I um, lived in London for a little bit, which I left out of the whole story. But uh, and, and Louisa has worked at a number of high-end restaurants. And the the time that a plate goes from the kitchen to the table, uh, how many seconds are we talking about, Louisa? What do you think?
1: <laughs> I mean, again, it... You know, when I always remember, it's like when I worked at some of the world's best restaurants, there's only so much that you can do. Give maybe somebody like a nicer looking lobster claw, you know, or like a better cleaned off plate. Uh, But number one, you know, I mean, uh, for sure, I have not been recognized at any restaurants. And then like, whether it's going to be, you know, a lobster claw or barbecue, there's only so much that you can do in terms of make it, you know, making a dish different. I will tell you that I did notice and in my last review on George's deep dish on pizza, the photos that, and this has happened, you know, before, I mean, everything from like, say Billy Goat Burgers for a story that was shot. And, you know, I mean, even though Nick and I do shoot a lot of photos ourselves and, uh, you know, Nick's like burger story, he shot like uh, uh, almost all the photos in that story. And, um, you know, uh I noticed that the Pizzas were a lot more loaded <laughs> than the ones that um, I actually took myself. They are so great, um, but uh, in terms of like when we're actually dining in, I haven't been recognized in that situation at the Tribune, uh, you know, yet. And there's I should add that Tribune.
2: we we never make reservations in our own names. I usually huh. just show up at a restaurant and try to get in <laughs> at a random time on a Tuesday instead of trying to go at a specific time. Um, so we we are not we never broadcast that we're going to a place. Um, just to make that clear. And you so don't that, bring
3: your relatives who go, that's a food critic. <laughs> you know, I, I my mom know, I don't tries to my, do that to me. <laughs> oh, I, I don't consider myself a food critic, but my family has pulled that a couple of times and I didn't like it, did not like it. Um, Gary Fine said, What are your plans about doing a formal review, such as for a restaurant like Ever and other you
0: know,
2: nicer restaurants? Uh, One has to open. Uh, (laughs) It's a very practical answer. We're we're at the sort of mid, higher mid-scale right now. So places that are in the West Loop, like Rosemary and Andrew's Taverna, I've reviewed in Logan Square, which is a really beautiful Greek restaurant. That I really enjoy. And so Alinea has a new restaurant coming out pretty soon, I believe. I haven't heard many updates on it, but that's going to be a very high-end restaurant and we will review it. Um, so Luisa and I might have to fight
1: over who gets to review it. What do you think? No, I, I think I will fight that we should review it together for something like that, because that's exactly the sort of situation where, you know, we talked about again, you know, I mean, uh, the budgeting of resources, time and money. And um, for a situation like that, um, I think it would be really important if we had like that sort of, uh, you know, world-class restaurant like the Alinea's or like, you know, like you we know, were talking about, it's like I, I worked at um, El Bulli and at Ducas in Paris, you know, it's really important. It would be really important for both of us to have that experience and to bring both of our perspectives to that. Um, So if, uh, you know, like when new Alinea opens, we should be reviewing
3: that together. Fair enough. Um, George Eberhardt, because I'm just going in order, not trying to censor, but what do you think of the new Tribune ownership? You get your check in the mail, right?
2: (laughs) Right now, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, They haven't been very communicative with us, so I can't say anything on a personal level except for they haven't... Signal that they're gonna hire more people or, or do that. So, yeah.
1: yeah. I am a, uh, a union leader at the Tribune and uh, had reported, uh, you know, over a number of events uh, prior to Alden Global Capital officially taking over that uh, their playbook was very bad for uh, not only the Chicago Tribune and journalism but our communities in general and i have um the legally protected right as we all do you know but especially as a union leader to say that um so it it, you know it does not bode well uh you know for our communities uh as far as how it affects uh, me personally right now it hasn't really so much except for the fact that yeah we are really loaded with a lot of extra work because we have so uh, you know, we have fewer people to do it.
2: So we have less uh, than half as been the number of employees in the food department than we did last year. Yeah. So we went from eight to nine to three. Mm-hmm. We have three basically people. Yeah. With our editor four.
1: So I, you know, I definitely am not done. Uh, uh, fighting for uh, the, the trib our community You know, I mean, and uh, so that's how I feel about that.
3: (laughs) Oh, fair enough. Um, Anne Marie inquired, could you comment on vegetarian and vegan options in mainstream restaurants?
2: That's a really good idea. Lisa has a lot of opinions on that.
1: (laughs) I am what I like to say um, a PVPO, personally vegan, professionally omnivorous, um, at home. Uh, you know, uh, uh, my own time, my own dime, I like to say, I like to eat vegan uh, for a lot of different reasons. And, uh, and one of the um, hottest stories <laughs> in recent months was about the Bona beefless beef, which I thought was a game changer um, because it really, I think, brought uh, plant-based dining, which is, you know, kind of you know, what people are calling it now uh, to the, you know, general audience and using a very Chicago iconic food was brilliant. But we're definitely seeing, you know, much more options, you know, across the board, which I think is uh, terrific because, uh, you know, Gen Z kids uh, are, you know, that's really what they want. That's really what they're asking for, for a lot of different reasons.
2: And chefs are really into it too. That's what they're most excited about. Cooking with often, sometimes I meet a chef and he's like, Man, meat's so boring. We just like the the vegetables is the fun part. So you can taste that as a diner, I think, these days.
3: Cool. Gary Fine said, if you're not giving critiques of poor restaurants, how would we treat your reviews? Are you only writing positive reviews? Would you give a negative review to a small ethnic family-owned restaurant? What about really poor restaurants?
2: Yeah, yeah, these are all good questions. I think um, I think we do address the first part, but uh, attacking a restaurant, you know, feels I don't know. Attacking if we could review more restaurants, we would review more restaurants. Uh, If we had more money, Luisa and I would do even more. Uh, I think there's a sort of general uh, um, uh, public good that comes from sort of reviewing as many places as possible, but I don't, I do not feel comfortable uh, critiquing a family run, a small family run restaurant that I guess doesn't deserve it. I don't, it depends on what you think, um, you know, a restaurant could deserve, but I wouldn't write about them. And if it was sort of a place someone asked me about, I would be honest and say, I don't like it. Uh, We just don't. We have to be so careful with the stories we write because we have such limited resources right now, and so that also adds to the equation. I don't know what you what do you think, Louisa? I felt like I rambled a bit there. That was hard. No, no,
1: no. It's a it's a hard topic, you know. And I would first clarify is that um, the preferred term generally now is um, you know it used to be ethnic is uh, you know possibly international um, or, uh, traditional because, uh, ethnic restaurant just has a, um, has a, I think a bit of a problematic, uh, perception to it. Um, and I know that, I know that it's a difficult thing to capture, but that is what we do, you know, we work with words and we try to capture uh, ideas and concepts. So rather than ethnic, I like to call these, um, you know, international restaurants perhaps, um, and, and traditional rather than authentic, that's another, um, th- another word that I think is problematic. Um, but, uh, but, you know, I, I think, and again, a poor restaurant, I mean, like, I'm not sure I'm comfortable with that word either, you know, maybe like a smaller, uh, restaurant that has like maybe fewer resources, but for example, like I did mention earlier that, you know, uh, the restaurant that I thought I was going to re- review first, um, just was, it was, had like I said, had a lot of hype, but when I actually tried it, I realized I don't know that the other people who wrote about it actually tried it. And this place right now has a lot of potential, but it is not really quite ready, uh, for a review. And so we discuss it. And then it is still on my list to review. Um, but there has to be a reason why. And I do think that it is fair to critique a small family owned immigrant restaurant or food stall or stand or whatever. But we have to ask why, you know, I mean, like, why are we, why are we going to be spending this time the you know, the money and resources to do that if it's no good, um, You know, I mean, why would we do that? Uh, Not saying that it's not saying that we would pull our punches, you know, but it's like the critique has to make sense on so many different levels. Um, So absolutely, there will be cases that is going to be maybe a place that has a lot of hype and that we need to critique it and not in, you know, and, uh, you know, and not rate it very highly. But we absolutely will. I, I will do that if it's necessary. But again, it's a matter of resources.
3: Uh, Peggy Martin said, In your writing, can you keep the public aware of how restaurants are still struggling? While we are all thrilled to be dining in person, they are dealing with significant staffing shortages and working so hard to keep things afloat every day. I don't think anybody disagrees yeah. with that. Yeah.
1: yeah. And I think that that was especially, you know, like, again, our uh, first reviews really. Uh, met that head on, uh, you know, Dear Margaret, which Nick had reported on before they opened, you know, and like how uh, it was just basically one person, you know, the co-owner who was running the whole front of the house. And, uh, you know, now they're still only able to roll out, uh, you know, limited indoor dining. And I mentioned that in the review and, uh, you know, and Nick, you know, went to Apollonia and like,
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I, took, I, I went to Apollonia, and with my mom who was up from, you know, Southern Indiana and she was so excited to go out and eat in the big city. And the AC went out in the restaurant and it was 90 degrees outside and there were no uh, curtains on the windows and it was these floor to ceiling windows. And so it just started baking inside and then they have a wood fired oven. Oh no! <laughs> and uh, you know, I, I, I didn't know what to do. And we luckily had a great meal. And, you know, I was just asking the the chef, like, you know, what happened? And he's like, we ordered curtains. They're just in the, you know, the pandemic slowed them down by six months. So they're in the mail. You know, what am I supposed to do? And so that was a case where I was just like, you're exactly right. There's nothing you could do. So I tried to make light of it you know, I didn't, I didn't, I wanted to say that it happened cause it was kind of funny and that, but I was very conscious that, you know, if, if he hadn't opened the restaurant, even if it wasn't perfect, he could have lost the restaurant cause they are dealing with so much right now. So I feel like maybe in the review I could have done a better job and I thought a lot about this review. And so I'm not above admitting that I could have done better to capture that. And so I'm gonna try to do better in in my next reviews, I guess.
3: So so in a review, uh, is there a review of the newly opened Verzani Patisserie on the horizon for one of you? And let me also maybe ask that question. At what point do you really anticipate doing a review of any restaurant? Because when they just opened, there's a lot that's still not ironed out.
1: I think that that patisserie has been open for a little bit. Um, I have no idea. Yeah. And I'd have to check back. Um, I have actually been keeping a list. And this was like one of the, what we used to help lobby um, was like all the restaurants open since, you know, last year to now. Um, And it would take, that's probably not on uh, a current list of uh, restaurants, you know, to review for me, um, you know, um, for us right now. I don't think Nick. Um, but, uh, you know, because again, it's a matter of like time and resources and which ones, you know, do we need to focus on? And then for example, um, uh, you know, when we review them, it, uh, it depends. Um, like for example, like, uh, we had talked about possibly reviewing, I was considering possibly reviewing Haleo. I think that popped up in the chat earlier. Um, and we'll get to that question later. And, um, that you know like a bigger restaurant like that that is you know like the fifth of a worldwide chain um you know could be visited for their first uh review visit like the next week that they're open um uh, other restaurants you know just because we're playing catch-up and everything right now you know we would normally wait a little bit probably but like a bigger it just depends you know on the situation
3: so we have somebody who really reads the tribune You need those people. And they said the new Trib seems to have the reviews and recipes in all different places, not the same section of the paper, no longer any frequent summary section of the year's reviews. Can you try to get them to organize the food coverage and reviews more logically? But you know, they're reading, this is the best part.
2: Yeah, it was totally right. And (laughs) we've lost our editor and we lost our editor's editor in the past uh, few months. And so we're, we're playing catch up and we hope to have things continually get better, but you're right.
1: We lost our section. I mean, we used to have a Wednesday food section and that went away because that is quite frankly, I mean, it is the, you know, it's the, the irony is that um, most people read uh, the news online, but everybody wants their story in print. Um, you know, and my, uh, so it's a, it's a challenge. We're aware of it. And,
3: um, And my my reaction, I think with the digital world is you print a story or it's highlighted or linked to on Facebook. And then I see it in the print edition, one or two days later, and it feels like old news. It's not your fault. It's just the way it feels. Um, are you excited to try the new eatery by Jose Andres? We ate at his same-named place in D.C. Delicious.
2: That's Leo. Um, Yeah, And so I, I can't wait to see what he does, and I hope that he can make it distinctive to Chicago because mm-hmm. this is, you know, one of many that he has. And so that's the question that we're going to try to ask is how is it relevant to what's going on in Chicago right now?
1: Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, I am super interested in trying it eventually. I think that I, uh, you know, might wait on that because, uh, you know, again, it is, um, uh, you know, I talked to Jose when he was in Spain, uh, you know, for the story about that opening up and, um, you know, and maybe wait until he gets to town closer to see if there's like any tweaks after he visits. But um, there's a lot of other um, maybe more interesting restaurants right now that we want to get to reviewing, but I, I'm very excited about it though at the same time. Uh,
3: Peggy Wilkes said any defining moments so far? We've only had what two months, but
2: who knows? I would get back. I need I need a little time for defining moments. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love that Gosh. question. I just uh, I've, we've been so busy I haven't even had time to really look back yet. Yeah, that's how I I, mean, feel. I don't I
1: don't always speak for Louisa. Yeah, no, I, I think that, uh, you know, personally, in terms of dining out, um, you know, a few moments here and there, like, uh, you know, like I was saying with uh, Dear Margaret, um, you know, that that first taste that I had was just such an emotional charge and such a huge, like, you know, wash of relief. And then recently this restaurant that I uh, dined out at, um, I was it was like this like absurd scenario that happened. It was like live music and uh, flan and the police. And I was just like, what's happening? It's just like, this is so different than a year ago. Um, so yeah, so I, I think uh, from all experiences so far, it's been uh, terrific
3: in those moments, but defining moment yet, I'm not sure yet. So Tom Matuch said, you naturally have personal tastes in food. So how difficult is it to be objective in your reviews?
2: That's a, that's really great question. I I focus a lot on cooking technique. And so I, I don't know how a dish necessarily is supposed to taste to the specific chef, but you can taste when food is cooked well and how if the bread is burnt, if the crust is soggy, if, you know, things along those lines can help a little bit. Uh, I I always feel grossly inadequate and so I try to read as much as I can so I love going still to the Harold Washington Library and researching about cuisines I don't know very much of because I I just find it endlessly fascinating and I never know at all it's just (laughs) every time you think you might know but it's just so exciting to look up another cuisine that I might know not know much about and then apply that to what I'm Looking at, I don't know, I get, I could do that forever. That's just so much fun. Well,
3: it's also it's also you're 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 preparing yourself so you're a better reviewer.
2: Yeah, let's go. With that. I like that. That's good.
1: <laughs> a lot um, of it is luckily that we have the freedom to choose what we're going to review and then what we're going to order. Uh, and so I think a lot of it is bringing to it places that we really want to go to and things that we really want to eat. And, you know, so, so far there haven't been like, you know, any uh, dishes, like one of my things that I hate is uh, kind of that middle ground of uh, sweet peppers, you know, like in a lot of Chinese takeout food, and I never order that. So I wouldn't order that for like necessarily a restaurant that I review or, you know, I mean, that
3: specializes in uh, sweet peppers and <laughs> food like that. I want to meet the restaurant that does that. Uh, Thanks for the reassurance that stars from a food critic are helpful guidance with the awareness that one star does not mean bad. Perspective is everything. A negative Yelp review complaining about the high price of a bowl of oatmeal made us determined to try Traders Point Creamery farm to table restaurant in the loft in Zionsville, Indiana. And they also wanted to know, what do you think of Dwell Social?
2: Uh, I don't know if we're all social. Do you, Lisa?
3: No, I don't either.
1: But I do know Trader's Point. And I was going to say I didn't know that they actually had a dining option. So that's
3: exciting to know. Okay, so think about the diverse ethnicities and cultures in Chicago's restaurant scene. Now think about the classic dishes of those ethnicities and cultures. Can you talk about which restaurants are working hard to preserve the classic tradition and what restaurants are doing some really good novel twists on the
2: classics. Um do you want to go first, Louisa? Or no, you, go ahead. Oh, um yeah, I mean I'm I'm mostly just I'm interested in people who I don't know how to put this in a way. Like, I'm just interested in and people that are trying really hard to do something, and th- and then I, I let that kind of follow where it is. And so I can't speak to individual cuisines in that specific of a manner. I just you know I become fascinated with. I found this woman in Berwyn who was making the best flour tortillas that I'd ever had in my life. You know, Chicago's a corn tortilla town. Uh, we have some of the best corn tortillas anywhere and flour tortillas aren't just aren't as popular because we haven't had the Mexican population from those specific states that have immigrated here. But this lady had, she had moved from Northern Mexico. And so she had this incredible um, recipe, you know, was that a trend or just one person? And so I just was very happy to highlight that one person that was doing that. And I hope it becomes a trend. Is how I feel about these things. I hope more, there's just more great food that people are inspired to make.
1: I'll say, Kathy knows, uh, Kathy, you know that I'm a big fan and defender of chop style restaurants because that is a valid cuisine category. And I think that, uh, you know, when it comes to ethnicities and traditions, you know, that can be tricky. For example, when we did the guide on uh, the new Koreatown in the northwest suburbs of Chicago, I know, Kathy, mentioned there's an exhibit coming up there. You know, I mean, there are some restaurants that are doing like super traditional, classical, uh, you know, types of like, you know, banchan. Um, and uh, I-, I love that, you know, super you know, like traditional stuff that you would find, um, you know, um, here and in Korea, which you'll also find in Korea and in Seoul is like super wild, creative karaoke style food, you know, that's like drinking bar food. That's got like cheese and all sorts of, you know, the corn and like the bubbling cauldrons of this and that. And it's like, so, you know, I mean, and so some of that really adapts. I think that sometimes what I get concerned about is, um, the idea that certain, uh, ethnicities and traditions, uh, get, you know, kind of captured and they are only supposed to do it in that way. It, it, it evolves, uh, around the world and here in Chicago too.
3: Uh, another avid reader, both Nick and Louisa usually talk about the personality and background of the restaurant owners and chefs. It adds so much added interest to their reviews. Pat on the back.
2: Thank you. Uh, <laughs> But it's all—it's all due to the the restaurants. Uh, they're all fascinating. So when you get yeah. to know these like people, it's just so interesting. I don't know why I would leave it out. Why would I do that? <laughs> yeah,
1: totally. Uh, thank you so much. And it is definitely—it's like you know when you're having something, you're like, "What is this? Who made this? What's the story behind it?" You know. And luckily, we get to be like professional busybodies and go and ask people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
3: <laughs> there is a new kosher fish and dairy restaurant opening up in Lincolnwood called Nuevo. One needs to make reservations online. Um, I guess that's a tip for you all. Um speaking of background of owners and chefs, especially for mom and pop restaurants, how would you be able to get that if you're un- if you don't happen to share their language?
2: Wow. Um, as I as I mentioned earlier, I'm I'm actually doing that right now with the chef. that I. I I do Duolingo every morning because I'm trying to improve my Spanish. I'm on day 911 of Duolingo, and I'm very proud of myself. <laughs> but I, I'm texting with the chef because I can know a little better on Spanish. When it comes to other languages, usually we have to involve uh, a younger of uh, their their son or daughter that can usually help us out. Uh, uh, usually there's a way and we try to find a way, I guess, because we want to tell those stories.
1: Okay, right. I just I mentioned, mentioned uh, really quick is that the Duolingo owl gave up on me, Nick, uh, a long oh no. ago. Yeah, but, uh, you know, and, and and that, yeah, creativity. I, quite frankly, Google Translate is super helpful. And, you know, like Nick was saying, texting really helps. Um, and speaking in the same language doesn't necessarily mean that you will understand each other. Like for example, when we did the uh, recent 88 uh, Marketplace guide, um, there was a couple of places where it's like, I, you know, between me and my mom and dad, we speak like every dialect pretty much that's there. And, uh, you know, sometimes there's a cultural difference. And then like, sometimes you hit something and they're like, like there's one place, a place in Northeast where they had uh, this one, you know, black rice kanji, and I was like, ooh, and then i asked i was like do you have a cold and it was like click with the one uh the uh the cashier she was like yes and then suddenly that like unlocked you know a whole different level but i ta- I you know, am ta- speaking fluently to people who spoke that northeast dialect and she's just like i don't you get it you know so language isn't always the barrier
3: okay how has the cost of curbside carryout packaging presentation affected restaurants profitability in these challenging COVID times?
2: Oh, that's a, that's a great question. We really looked into how restaurants were differentiating themselves during the, the height of the pandemic, especially with their takeout. And a lot of restaurants went um, came up with some really creative ways to do takeout. I'm not a huge fan of takeout, Luisa is, and so she can probably speak to that. It's, but, uh, it's been really interesting how it's developed how it's had to develop, but it certainly costs more to do the more elaborate things.
1: I have to say, I wish that there was a little bit, uh, I was hoping that there was a little bit more of like an experiential takeout and that wasn't, but that's okay. You know, I mean, like most take experiences have been really terrific and, um, I think that though, while yes, there has been more in terms of cost of materials uh, for takeout, that has to be balanced also with like, you know, um, the savings, if you will, from the cost of dining in. I think that sometimes people talk, you know, concern about like the waste and all that and having worked in restaurants. I'm like, just because you don't see it doesn't mean it's not there. How much waste do you think goes into like, you know, making a beautiful plate, Uh, you know, as opposed to like having a takeout box, which I often
3: say that's free Tupperware. Huh. Uh was Phil Vital really that anonymous anyway in the later years? Probably not.
2: No, um, I mean, yeah, I I don't want I the one story I always know is that PR agents would sometimes just email him the next day and say, how was your meal? Because they would know that he had been there. Um, you know, he did a really good job of not getting his face out there, but they they all had the picture that of the places that wanted to know it wasn't like every restaurant cared I guess
1: oh no you know and Phil was pretty you know upfront about it was that uh, you know he he did the job for like over 30 years and he's a pretty distinctive looking guy so people knew you know who he was and again you develop relationships over the over time you know I mean just in terms of reporting and covering so for the most part, Um, You know, he's pretty public about saying people knew who
3: he was anyway. I, by the way, have heard of one restaurant where there was somebody who was especially prickly and unpleasant online about this restaurant. They went and found his image online and had it in the kitchen because if he ever showed up, they wanted to throw him out. So it, it 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 goes beyond restaurant criticism sometimes. Uh, did either of you try Elizabeth during its year long, very affordable carry out only period? It became our favorite place, and when they reopened, they gifted us with a free meal.
2: I did not try it, but that sounds lovely. I, I became obsessed with uh, a place near me that really took care of me for some takeout meals. So the sort of relationships that you can develop with a neighborhood restaurant are just beautiful.
1: Oh, just really quick. No, I did not. Um, but I uh, follow them on Instagram as we're talking about where you see like a lot of the beautiful food and uh, hope some able to visit up like at the end, but uh, they
3: did beautiful food and uh, that's great. Do you respond to your readers suggestions for restaurants to review?
2: Yeah, I love it when people suggest places to me. I I sometimes know the place, and so, uh, but there are many times when I don't, and so I always appreciate it. I'm gonna not base my decision solely on what they say, but I'll I'll take into consideration. I I deeply appreciate it.
1: Yep. We love tips, especially you know if we're trying to cover like certain thematic, uh, you know things like uh, you know burgers or dumplings or whatever. Yes, please send us tips.
3: How do you choose restaurants to review? What is your criteria? For, are your criteria?
2: Uh, I mean, as we said, we don't have a strict tri- um, criteria except that we discuss everything as a group and we try to be as diverse and inclusive as we can be and not forget about certain sections of the city. So if we review a few of a certain kind of restaurant, we want to make sure we try other ones. And... Yeah, we also want to make sure that we're excited about it or have something interesting to say.
3: And by the way, why do so many Chinese eateries insist on putting those stupid little corn cobs in the takeout dishes? Which the next person said kids like the little corn cobs in their takeout. How about that? We're winding down here pretty quickly. You know who else loves baby
1: corn? This guy, okay? I love the baby corn. (laughs) And actually, I would love to see, uh, especially in the Chicago area Midwest, somebody actually using little tiny fresh baby corn cobs because you can find those at some of the markets. Uh, so yeah, I love baby corn.
3: By the way, do you pretend like you're eating corn on the cob and do a mini version of that? No, but
2: I'll dig no, them out. No, you gotta be the giant going, ah, like that. <laughs> that's what I do, but that's a whole other thing.
3: Anyway, I I think we're about finished, but uh, they did want to let us know that Dwell Social is bringing heat and eat at home meals from Chicagoland restaurants to suburban pickup spots. Restaurants like Demera, Ethiopian, Irazu, Impoli, Manny's, Purple Pig and such. And Verzenny's, Verzenny's owner and pastry chef. Arishaya Farhan, sorry if I mispronounced, uh, has been selling her pastries at Green City Market for many years, and she's French trade. The grand opening of her long-awaited brick-and-mortar store was today, which is too early to, to do anything for, right? Probably, maybe, I don't know. That's not my... This has been super. But I think we've run out of questions, which is great. Scott, you want to say something?
0: Uh, just thank you for your delicious, savory, sometimes tart talk. And uh, thank you so much. It's a pleasure seeing both of you. And we're really honored to have you. Thank you.
2: Well, thank you so much. It was it was really fun.
0: Yes, Great.
1: thank you so much, uh, Kathy and Scott and um, everyone who joined us tonight. And uh, seriously, we so appreciate it. And please, let's continue the conversation. I mean, uh, Kathy and Scott know how to get in touch with us and they know where we live. And uh,
2: yeah, please. And we love suggestions, so please keep those coming.
0: I'm emailing you one right as soon as, as soon as this is over. <laughs>
2: <laughs> great,
0: great. And I'll send
3: you a copy of the chat, though. Pretty much, we work through it all. But just in case there's something you're missing, thanks again. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. everybody. Bye. And stay bye. weather alert tonight. We got some strong storms coming in. Derecho. I know. Yes. <laughs> yes. Take care. Definitely. (laughs) Good night,
1: all. Thanks, all. Good night. Bye. Bye.